Welcome to Deutsche Bank's Horizon Scanning Podcast, where we examine emerging threats and opportunities facing the economy. I'm your host, Dan Hunter, Head of Communications for the Americas and the Global Investment Bank. Today, we're continuing our series on the future of work by examining the changing power dynamic between employers and employees. Amid what's been coined the Great Resignation here in the US, employees seem to have reframed the power dynamic with employers and achieved higher wages and additional benefits as a result. However, the question remains whether this is a structural shift or a temporary phenomenon created by COVID. To evaluate this question, Christiana Riley, America's CEO, sits down with three experts. Carol Cochran joins the conversation from FlexJobs, where she is VP of People and Culture. From Deutsche Bank, Christiana is joined by Melissa Friedman, Global Head of Human Resources for the Investment Bank, and Marianne Labor, an analyst on the Deutsche Bank thematic research team. Over to you, Christiana. So Marianne, starting off the discussion with you, you've recently been publishing research outlining the increasing expectation of flexibility among the workforce at large and the possibility of more employees turning to more flexible models and freelancing. Can you expand for us a little bit on those findings? So the COVID-19 pandemic has reshuffled the cards and, and launched telework into the spotlight. So worldwide, we have around 40% of workers in 2020 who did their jobs remotely from home. So it's up from 24% prior to the pandemic. In the US, we have around 42% of the labor force worked, working from home full-time in 2020. And for federal employees, it's 60% working from home every day. So we, we asked people how many days they wanted to work from home. And actually, most of them expect to continue working from home two or three days per week. And it's because work from home has brought new freedoms, save some extra cash by cutting out commutes, a better work family life balance, with the added bonus of reducing some carbon emissions. And at the moment, what we are seeing, it's only the tip of the outsourcing iceberg. Call centers were one of the first outsourced sectors, but the trend is accelerating to several support functions, such as IT, accounting, HR, data inputs, and a lot of clerical jobs. So with COVID-19, some managers have realized that their function could be performed remotely. And because that change has gone well, we believe that there will be a long-term trend of companies progressively outsourcing functions so that they can focus on the core business. And Looking ahead, freelancing is probably the new remote working. Working on freelancing platforms will continue to accelerate, and this is reflected by the data. So, for example, uh, since March last year, the share price of Fiverr and Upwork have been multiplied by eight and four times, respectively. And some employees may not want to be back in the office, and, and they might want to work differently. And what we are seeing as well, it's institutional changes are also underway. In 2017, New York was the first American city to enact a new law called the Freelance Isn't Free Act. And this law extends to freelancers a right to a written contract when the work exceeds $800 and the right to timely and full payment and protection from retaliation. So even without a formal written contract, companies must pay freelancers within 30 days. And this is clearly a, a major step toward institutionalizing better working conditions and job security for freelancers. And more recently, uh, we have seen in December 2020, the US government uh, who actually extended the CARES Act so that gig workers can receive unemployment benefits, which previously was uh, actually not possible. 
Marion, thank you for that very thorough uh, perspective. Carol, I want to bring you into the conversation. Tell us a little bit how Marion's statistics uh, correspond to what you're seeing from employers and applicants uh, in your world over at FlexJobs. Yeah, we're definitely seeing some of that reflected. Um, I, I, I think I'm, I'm hesitant and cautious right now with the pandemic. I think if I've learned anything, it's to be careful about making predictions <laughs> about what's coming down the road. Uh, the marketplace has definitely been so unpredictable the last year and a half or so. It's hard to tell how quickly offices are going to refill. Uh, the Delta variant and, and other variants have certainly postponed that return to office for a lot of big companies until at least 2022. Um, the vaccination requirements, mandates, all of those things are creating new friction points for employers and trying to figure out what to do. Um, and you know, when, when will COVID no longer be a threat? When can we safely bring people back? So I think we are going to see this, this trend toward remote and at the very least hybrid stay pretty strong for a while, which in, in our research indicates that that ability to work from home and that flexibility is key. Now that said, um, you know, it is estimated that by 2027, we're looking at about 86 and a half million freelancers in the marketplace which would make up about 50% of the total workforce. So with so many people needing better flexibility, but I think it goes a little deeper than that, um, needing a little more control over what's happening, when they're working, how they're working, because other parts of our lives are so unpredictable as well, right? If you're a parent, are your kids going to be in school? Are they not going to be in school? Like what, what is your your capacity um, professionally as well. Um, so I do think that more and more people are gonna start leaning into that, that freelance option. Um, we did a survey in August of uh, more than 800 freelancers and about 66% of them said that they're pretty optimistic about their employment situation in the next six months compared to 61% of the general employee population. Um, and it seems that they also seem to enjoy working at a higher rate. 78% of them reported that they want to work or they want and need to work versus about 70% of employees re reporting the same. I think the bottom line is workers in general, they're just creating that control, like I said, over their work schedule, their workplace. And for a lot of people, freelancing is going to give them that ultimate control. I think we felt that balance on, on our end, Carol, for sure. And that's an astounding statistic, 50% of the workforce being in some form of freelance capacity within the next five years. I'm going to turn to Melissa Friedman, for whom these matters are highly strategic in her work as our global head of human resources for Deutsche Bank's investment bank. Melissa, we brought back colleagues uh, in our investment bank back into the office in, in, in large numbers uh, after Labor Day this year. Tell us a little bit what you're hearing from the workforce uh, and what you're hearing from your peers across Wall Street around that experience uh, of returning to the office mm. after, after that period of time. We, as many of our investment banking peers, we've been clear that the office remains the core place to work. It's crucial, especially for our newer employees to learn by watching others and participating in the type of knowledge transfer that it isn't possible remotely in the same way. 
Um, but we've also seen that flexibility can be possible and unlock other benefits for employees. So where possible, you know, we're implementing a hybrid working model. Obviously, this, of course, will depend on the type of role that you know, people are in. Some roles allow for zero to five percent flexibility and some roles allow for 60 percent in the investment bank. But, you know, I can say as we see more and more employees occupying the floors, there's definitely this buzz that's returned to the office, which many people have missed. Um, we're hearing certainly from our juniors and from our new graduates that, you know, being back in the office, it's better for collaboration, it's better for building team camaraderie, for being able to share ideas, you know, ask questions more easily, and generally help them develop in a way which was much harder for them when they were remote. For teams in general, I think being together again in the same place has been motivating, talking to each other about clients and business and idea generation and being able just to walk outside for lunch or to grab a coffee. It's renewed the sense of connectivity that was missing to a certain degree during the pandemic. You can definitely feel that and see that. Um, we understand that some people are still struggling with the notion of returning. So we're embracing and offering hybrid options as a tool to help get you know, people to return. Um, the optimal balance will shift industry to industry, but across Wall Street, the banks have been clear to be back for the need to be back into the office, you know, at, at a certain level. And, you know, across, I think across financial services, the sentiment has been a similar one, which is being back in the office, being able to bump into somebody in the hallway, you know, stopping by someone's desk or, you know, overhearing a conversation all lead to this spontaneous learning culture that can't be replicated in a fully remote working environment. But Melissa, you and I both know well, and I'm, I'm reflecting again on these astounding statistics from Carol and, and Marion, if we are moving to a world in which large portions of the workforce are opting uh, to be more flexible in, in their contractual relationship and preferring a freelance environment, you and I know it's been competitive for talent in this industry for a long time. What are your perspectives? Is that going to get more challenging? And what do you think banks need to be doing uh, to make sure that we remain uh, competitive and attractive employers for the best and the brightest? I think people's biggest fear is that maybe we'd be 100% you know, like what we were before the pandemic. And I, I don't think that's the case. I think there's definitely more of an openness um, to trying to offer this, you know, more flexibility wherever we can um, and continuing to watch that. I think even in roles that right now we think have to return full time for regulatory reasons, I think we're looking to see and, and speaking with the regulators and watching how it evolves to be, you know, to be flexible. Um, I think that, um, look, our applicant numbers have increased. I think it was a remarkable like 30 by 39% in the first half of this year already um, as compared to last year. And you know, we even had an interesting experience if you reflect back to our internship program, um, all the banks had decided to go virtual, including ourselves. And when we started to see the ability to return to the office, we asked the interns you know, in the investment bank, do you wanna come back in or, or would you like to be virtual? And 97% of them actually opted to come in in person. Um, and actually I had a conversation with one intern that told me her least favorite day was the day that she worked remotely. Um, so I think it differs from, from person to person. And again, I think that goes back to some of the things around kind of the connectivity piece. And for some people, the ability to find it easier to connect or walk over to somebody's desk in the office um, and, and maybe that that might vary depending on, you know, your seniority in an organization or for some people, this this ability to really both be in person and then have some flexibility, I think, is, is what we need to focus on. 
Um, the other thing for us, Christiana, which uh, which many will know, I think one of our competitive edges, certainly in New York, will be our new headquarters um, as we you know move in in the next couple of weeks. And you know, although it wasn't planned this way, I think the move-in date probably couldn't have come at a more perfect time. You know, the open spaces, the collaborative environment, the enhanced technology, and sort of right in the heart of the city and this renowned brand recognition of this one DB center. I think, I think for employees, that's also going to be a really exciting, you know, way to, to attract new talent and to get our talent back into the office. We're certainly excited about it. Marion, I want to come back to your research um, because certainly there are, you know, a, a lot of things uh, to be positive about in more flexible labor uh, arrangements, be that through, you know, contractual employment or, really more on the freelance side, as we've heard Carol say that the tendency is heading. But there are definitely also some, some trade-offs uh, and downsides and risks to the broader economy in those arrangements. Can you talk, talk us through some of the key issues that listeners should be aware of? Yeah, of course. So th there are clear benefits to, 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 work from, to work from home, uh, and we do believe that flexible working is, is here to stay. And we need to strike the right balance, uh, as there are also some side effects to work from home. Uh, and the first one, the more concerning, is, is mental health. So in the US, we have two-fifths of those surveyed who said that their mental health had declined since the outbreak of the pandemic last March. And the percentage of people with low levels of mental health has doubled since the pandemic began. Newly remote workers were among uh, those worst affected are 30% more likely to report declining mental health than those still employed in non-remote settings. Second concern um, include the lack of social interaction and reduced work-life balance and increased distractions. So isolation has especially appeared as a major downside to working from home, with nearly two-thirds of individuals saying that they felt more isolated from their colleagues. And the results were split down gender lines. So with women being more likely to feel isolated than men. And women were also more likely to develop musculoskeletal problems compared to men due to inadequate settings. Emotional burnout related to work is also a concern with 40% of American workers finding themselves exhausted after a full week of virtual meetings and a third feeling stressed. The third uh, category of concern that, that we had uh, include an increased vulnerability to cyber attacks. So because work shifts to online platform, uh, cyber criminals increasingly profit of the fear surrounding the coronavirus and the weaker security of those working from home. So just to give you one stat, uh, ransomware threats saw a significant spike increasing 60% globally and 160% only in the US. And finally, Christiana, uh, as Melissa pointed out, there are some clear benefits uh, for new graduates to be in the office. So for new graduates who enter the labor market uh, in 2020 and 2021, online work has caused new problems such as stifled networking, professional invisibility, uh, weaker development of soft skills related to communication and teamwork. And Generation Z employees were three times more likely to have sought help for mental health concerns than older employees. Um, and if I could, just kind of getting back to some of the conversation about the concerns of remote workers and particularly from a mental health, physical health, totally agree. We, we saw it before the pandemic. It was definitely exacerbated during the pandemic. I think a lot of those feelings of isolation is not just the remote work, but it's remote working 
and being on lockdown or being limited on where you can go, how many people you can be around, not being able to have physical touch with people, right? We're not built that way for humans. So I'm definitely not surprised to hear those statistics. But I would question how much of that is, is firmly in the remote work environment. The thing I would say for organizations to help with this is you have to be really intentional about it. You have to build systems and programs and supports and be very intentional about how you're addressing mental health with your workforce. What resources do they have available? How are we checking in to make sure that they are doing, doing as well as possible and staying healthy and strong in every way, shape and form? So Marion, it's clear that some of those downsides that you describe have been aggravating factors in this phenomenon that we're terming here in the United States to be the great resignation, right? This, this significant uh, rotation or turnover within the workforce uh, that we're currently experiencing. We always close the horizon scanning podcast conversations with a round of predictions so I'm going to turn to you, Carol, first uh, to give us your perspectives. When we look back, let's say in 2024 at this very unique period that we're all going through now, do you think this moniker of the great resignation is going to seem apt, the beginning of, of something bigger, or is it an overblown dynamic? I think there is going to be a great deal of accuracy to it. Um, you know, there do seem to be several reasons why people are resigning at such a high frequency. Um, at the very least, I would say the collective experiences of the last 18 months or so have put a lot of people in a position to really take a long look at their lives in general um, and reevaluate their priorities, their options, what's meaningful to them, what's not. Where are they willing to make sacrifices? Where are they not? I think it's shifted for a lot of us, right? Um, you know, my, my thought and, and based on our, our own research and our own experiences, uh, flexible work and all the benefits that come with that, that's going to continue to be key for people. Um, and, and people will continue to be more focused on what's important to them and building a life that reflects that, where their career is a part of that as opposed to the driving force and everything else kind of fits around the professional life, right? Those are great perspectives, Carol. I'm going to continue with the flash round on horizon scanning predictions. Melissa, in your mind, the great resignation, is it uh, apt or overblown? Um, well, it's a hard one, but I, I think it's I think it's a little overblown in the sense that from what we're seeing, we are seeing a lot of movement in the industry. And in, you know, I'm speaking obviously in financial services. I think a lot of that is built up as there was a lot of you know was stagnant during the pandemic, and there's been a lot of sort of people sitting and waiting. And now I think there's a lot of movement happening. Although from my vantage point, we're seeing we are seeing some of that movement just from you know sort of one financial firm to another, not necessarily exiting the industry. I do, however, think that people and employees are, you know, expecting different things as they return and expecting different things as their employers. And we as an employer are also reflecting and trying to figure out how do we balance, you know, bringing people back and having the right work environment and supporting them, you know, from a mental health perspective and all the things that we do with regards to mental health and well-being. So maybe we call it the great experiment uh, and yeah. not 
organization. Marion, last prediction from we look ahead a couple of years back and say, what was this period all about? Was it a great resignation? Was it a great experiment? Give us your prediction. I'm going to echo what Melissa just said. Uh, I also think that it's little overblown. I do think that flexible work is going to remain with us to some extent, as only one in seven UK workers want to return to five days of commuting. And what we are seeing in terms of data, in terms of expectations from various statistics and, and, and our personal um, Deutsche Bank research uh, statistics, we predict that uh, first offices will refill way faster than, than what most people are thinking. Um, number two, uh, freelancing is the new remote working and uh, the number of freelancers workers will uh, keep increasing. And the third prediction, uh, it, so far we can only see the tip of the outsourcing iceberg. All right, well, thank you to all three of you for a really engaging conversation. We'll see how those predictions play out uh, over the coming months and years. Thank you for scanning the horizon with us today. Horizon Scanning has been produced by Deutsche Bank and is intended for general information purposes only. By accessing Horizon Scanning, you confirm that you are entitled to do so in accordance with your own regulatory requirements. Any opinions, estimates or projections discussed in this podcast constitute the current judgment of the speaker at the time of recording and do not represent a formal or official view of Deutsche Bank. Deutsche Bank does not make any representations or warranties in respect of the currency, accuracy or completeness of any information included in this podcast or the reasonableness of any opinions expressed. Information included may not be complete or up to date for your purposes and is subject to change. For further disclosures and other important information, please visit research.db.com.